Hi, this is Anina Livingstone, and you are listening to my new podcast, Tending the Soul of Relationship. I want to welcome you by offering all of the interviews from my seven-week Clarity of Calling online course. This was the topic of my doctoral research based on my own struggles, curiosity, and passion for the topic. So if you're looking for more clarity, courage, or commitment as you tend to your calling, you've come to the right place. I've interviewed my most cherished mentors and respected colleagues to bring you this wealth of supportive wisdom. If you'd like to take the course in its entirety, feel free to go to my website at www.aninialivingstone.com where you can download the ebook and accompanying weekly guidance. I wish you all the courage and clarity you need to fulfill your calling so that together we can create a more vibrant world. Hello, Annie. Hello, Aninia. Hi, thank you so much for being here for this very vulnerable and, and beautiful and important topic. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, so I want to start by sharing Annie's bio that she has given me to give you a context for who she is in the world. Annie has been guiding people into their deepest mystical connection with the earth for 20 years. She's trained with the School of Lost Borders, worked with Wilderness Reflections, and was a senior guide and trainer with Animus Valley Institute from 1995 to 2013. Annie is an initiator, a soul practitioner, a deep listener who carefully attends to the large story in the everyday stories of our lives. She's guided hundreds of people into exquisite wildernesses where our personal soul and the world soul intersects, and we make contact with our larger destiny and the fulfillment of being alive at this time in our planetary evolution. Annie has recently sold her home of 22 years in Salt Lake and is now traveling with her sweetheart husband, Niles, and Beagle Sadie in their 1963 jewel hut on wheels to find a new home. And uh, as I understand, you have found your new home. We did. We just uh-huh. moved in about six weeks ago. Uh-huh. Wonderful. And where is that? We're in a very little town in southern Utah called Bicknell. And mm-hmm. um, it's at the edge of Capitol Reef National Park. And mm. it's uh, just beautifully, blessedly big and quiet. And, uh, yeah, beyond our wildest dreams. Yay. I'm so happy for you. So I, I asked you to speak to this because I know that you have deep wisdom and what Michael Meek calls dark wisdom from really walking the path of exploring the wound and, and kind of excavating the gold and and holding it in a way that is sacred. And so... Um, before we dive more into the sacred wound, I'd like to kind of set the context because this, this course is called The Clarity of Calling and it is really about purpose. I'd love to understand first about how you understand purpose and how maybe share how you understand your own purpose. Yeah, so per- to me purpose is, uh, comes from an overflowing heart. It comes from uh, like a river that we're in, that we're inexorably in the stream of. Mm-hmm. 
I don't see purpose as um, an idea that we've grabbed onto and are are marching to bring it forward. Uh, to me, it's a natural, organic arising in our hearts that flows out into the world, and that um, that natural enthusiasm and kind of rush of water is a result of something that has opened our heart, and that's something I have found for myself is gratitude for the life I have, and that gratitude, the main core of that gratitude is anchored in what I deeply know about my um, my wound, the ancestral wounds that the, that humanity carries, and the intersection of both of those with the world wound. Mm. And when we excavate those for ourselves, when when we dive deep into understanding our wounds, we come into compassion. It's, what, it's really what opens up our compassion the most fully. Wow, you've just given such a powerful, like markers, the personal wound, the ancestral wound, that's really the human wound, when you go out and ripple out into the larger kind of um, circling, and then the world wound, Mm-hmm. And how those all intersect. Thank you. That already I'm, I'm learning from you and in, in your clarity of how this all all works together. They're they're all connected. Yeah. And um, I've worked a lot with a lot of activists, social activists, um, environmental activists, mm-hmm. and um, spiritual activists. Yeah. And uh, in witnessing and. And the witnessing I'm privileged to do is is connected with people doing the work of of looking within themselves on the land, mm-hmm. taking walks on the land. And so in that in what I've experienced over the years is um, until pe- when people really begin to understand their own personal wounds their activism is going to come from a place of uh, somewhat shallow, somewhat hollow, not full-blooded, passionate, and compassionate understanding. Mm -hmm. There has to be a a real connection with one's personal wound to understand why the world is the way it is Mm. and, and how people hurt one another. and perpetrate um, kind of empire building. Mm -hmm. Right, so the difference of really being in in reaction versus some kind of creative response that comes from from that process of going deep within and facing our own own challenges. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. So, and again, before like we go deeper into this, I would love to, if you'd be open to sharing 
Like, is there a way that you hold your purpose? Is there a name that you carry? How would you, if someone asked you what's your purpose, is there a way that that feels okay to share with us? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because it's, it's a good question, and it's also a question that takes me into a lot of different places. Because mm-hmm. I've gone through a lot of different places to arrive at where I'm at not at this present time. Right. And it's really very, very simple at this point in time and I would but I I wanna I wanna preface it by saying that it's gone through a lot of transmutations. But where mm-hmm. I'm at now it's about simply being kind. Mm. My purpose is to be kind to my mm. fellow human beings. Uh-huh. My purpose is to live well on this earth and by well I mean um, with deep consciousness and caring for all living beings Mm. yeah so you what the stage you're at in your life it's moved much more deeply into the beingness of calling or the essential nature of who you are and less about the how it manifests specifically it sounds like yeah like the doing part of my purpose is to um raise consciousness in, uh-huh. you know in humanity which i which i have gone through that phase right and um you know i've gone through the phase of uh to you know to change how we are living on this planet and and that's both spiritually and um physically you know how how to change how we are living physically on this planet mm-hmm. so i have gone through those different um places but now it's it is more of a simplicity of i just want to be kind mm-hmm. It's myself. beautiful to just hear the evolution of it because it does change over time and distills and and at different stages in our lives there's different energies that we engage our purpose with and so yeah, it's sweet to kind of hear hear where you're landing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of kind of focusing on the sacred wound, I'm wondering, you know, Obviously, wounding is is painful, and for the most part, uh, our first response is to want to get away from it. To even even the intention of healing it can come with just wanting it to go away, um, or having shame about it, thinking we should be over it. All the things that come with wounding. And um, so, I'm wondering if you can give us an understanding. I don't know if sacred wound is a term you use. I think that it is. It but, is, yeah. Yeah. So how how do you how is a sacred wound different, or is, how is our relationship to the wound different? What makes it sacred versus just like uh just this problem that we have, you know? Yeah, that's really the core of it, Aninia, mm-hmm. and and the shift of being um, a victim to our woundings and uh, continually running the cycles of those woundings which um happens we all we all go through those cycles of being caught up in our woundings again 
making sacred our wounds is not about eliminating them or uh, somehow healing them. Healing is, is an aspect of working with our wounds, but more so is coming into deep relationship with our story. And at the core of everyone's story is a wounding. And all of the great mythologies in the world have in the core uh, the story of a wounding. So, Annie, I'm hoping that we can kind of differentiate between what makes a wound sacred and what makes it just something that we are wanting to get over or run away from or feels like a problem or an obstacle to living our calling, which um, is often the case, at least in the beginning of our relationship with our, with our struggles, that they just feel like something we want to get through and over. So how can we, how can we shift our relationship with it? What makes, what makes a wound sacred, if you could speak to that? Yeah, um, it's really a good question because that's at the crux of the shift in our um, working with our wounds. When we haven't worked with our wounds, we're usually in relationship with them as a victim to what has happened in our lives. And we perpetuate the cycle of feeling like a victim and there'll be life situations that arise and we'll once, you know, this verifies over and over again our victimhood. And that's a, um, that's a, dead end street it won't won't ever change we'll just continue continually tell the same story over and over again and feel and there'll be a kind of a pathology to that Mm -hmm. and when we come into deep relationship with our with our story then we begin to understand that our wound holds a gift for us Coming into deeper relationship means that we um, we hear the all of the emotions that are bound up in our wounding, and we um, let ourselves feel them. And some of the darkest feelings that we have are ones of intense loneliness, uh, feeling utterly and completely alone in the world, feeling a deep despair, a deep dark despair, hopelessness, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of an insurmountable grief, Mm -hmm. a grief that if we we feel like if we open ourselves up to it, it'll, it'll swallow us up and we'll never come out of it. I've heard that um, mm-hmm. people say that many, many times, and I've mm-hmm. I've felt it myself. If I let myself feel this grief, I won't ever return from it. It, it yeah. feels that overwhelmingly big. Mm-hmm. So these are really hard emotions that went underground when um, the wounding was happening. Mm-hmm 
when we did when we were utterly alone because there was nobody there who could hear us or see us or um, respond to us and the despair of nothing's ever going to change we're caught up in some hellish kind of existence that uh, is never going to change those those are realities people experience those and go through them and um, but as we grow and become adults we we carve our own lives and we can begin to with with a lot of hard work go back into the the story of what happened to us when we were younger and begin to let those feelings arise and be unleashed not in a way that is thrown out into the world but in a way that we can experience what we were never able to experience in our emotional body mm-hmm. and we we come into understanding in that way and when we're working out on the land when we take those stories out onto the land which i have done with people for over 20 years mm-hmm. i i will send people on a walk to um tell the story of the one who uh, never felt uh, that they had a voice in, in their family or in their school system or in, in their religious upbringing, you know, wherever it was where they felt absolutely silenced. And in telling that story while out on a walk on the land, the land responds in the most magical and mysterious mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And then something begins to penetrate into the story of the wounding that brings a uh, numinosity to it. So for instance, um, uh, there I had a man who told his story while out on the land and in telling the story he remembered a, a bird showed up a particular black bird showed up and when he saw the black bird he remembered that every day when he came out of his house in the first grade there was a black bird sitting there on the fence and this black bird flew ahead of him as he walked to school mm all the way to school, and then when he came out of school, that blackbird was there and flew with him all the way back to his house. That's beautiful. It's very beautiful. And so this story that this man held of feeling absolutely and utterly alone was transformed in his understanding in that moment that he wasn't alone. There was Mm -hmm. this little magical bird that was there for him during that period of time. Mm-hmm. And when things like this happen, as I tell the story, I feel deeply moved. And um, it's like, how can we comprehend how beautiful the world is that, that brings us those sorts of things that the... That the the animate world responds to us even when we're blind to it. Mm-hmm. But we can mm-hmm. remember, and when we do remember, it opens up that deep compassion and um, 
And then there's a beauty that comes to our story rather than just the hardship of it. Yeah. So for you, the land, the earth, and wounding, that's where the healing is. It's not just within our own psyche, but when we extend our psyche with the the soul of the world or our soul with the soul of the world, that's where something magical happens and and there's Mm -hmm. profound healing. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm curious for those who are listening who maybe have never experienced working with the land in that way, um, is there anything you would say about how to be in relationship with a sacred wound if someone's, um, if that's not where they are in their life at this point or their soul is taking them in a different direction in terms of how to approach their their sacred wound. Is there anything else you can say in terms of a, a broader relationship with a sacred wound? Um, and that's okay if that's, you know, that's outside. Yeah, of- well, first of all, I'd like to say that when we're working with our woundings, it's, I feel like it's really pr- very important and probably essential to have a mentor or a guide mm-hmm. or someone who can really witness your story as it unfolds in a new way mm. and who can hold you in, in hold your story in its entirety and be able to reflect to you um, both the hardness of what you've experienced you know we all need to be witnessed and in, in, uh, in what was hard for us in our growing up mm-hmm. because most of us don't want to believe it mm. most of us want to sequester that in some secret hidden place inside of ourselves and say things like, you know, my life was was nothing compared to what this person experienced. You know, my hardship was nothing. All of us want to diminish um, the things that happened to us and and the woundings that we carry. Mm. So I feel like um, doing the work of sacred wounds is important to do it with somebody who really gets um, the unfolding into the new story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that could be through a really good psychotherapist, depth psychologist, um, Jungian dream analysis, um, or, you know, someone like me who has trained to do soul work right. via working on the earth, on the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I know that there are so many ways to approach this, and and um, it's, I just want to acknowledge that. So I appreciate it. And, and the working with the land is such a deep and profound and free, by the way, <laughs> way of doing it, you know, although I think in the beginning um, we need some direction on how do you, how does it move from a hike <laughs> or yeah. a walk to uh, something that's that's healing and transformative. So, mm-hmm. um, so maybe at yeah, the end. Yeah, there's, we'll, yeah. No, go ahead. 
Well, at the end, I'd like to get kind of practical, and so maybe at that point you could share a little bit about how someone might might do that, you know, mm-hmm. if they're new to this. So yeah. I, cons- I consider this work spiritual work, mm-hmm. and it's um, psycho-spiritual work. Mm-hmm. And when people enter into um, different forms of, meditation and it it evo it will evoke and bring you to the same places sitting on the mat is is going to bring you into facing your wounds mm-hmm. and so there has to be a context there has to be a container right otherwise um there won't be a way to hold what's happening to you right uh-huh so I think in all traditions, there's a you know there's a certain language. There's there's in the Buddhist communities, there's sanghas, there's people who can reflect and give you a language to what you're experiencing and right. and moving through and giving giving you guidance and pointers on how to move with it and where to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right, that's important. I mean, in the in the West, we're so used to doing things alone, and in a way, you're speaking to that kind of that our ancestral wisdom that this is this is really meant to be done in some kind of holding, even if it's one other per- person witnessing you, but or even if it's now in modern days an online group, but there's a collective field and a and a, a holding for what's happening. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because these places are deep. And and also the psyche the psyche can actually let itself drop in if it knows there is holding and if there's not the psyche the psyche knows that too mm-hmm. yeah so um, you know one of the ways I think about it and wondering if there's anything you want to say about this is you know the way that we literalize our wounds and kind of can stay in a very linear story like you know you know my father was an alcoholic and he died when, you know, like very specific, which is important, you know, and I'm naming my own, my own history there. Um, and what does it mean to move into what some people call like a myth mythopoetic or an archetypal? Um, and then I'm going to broaden it to a little bit larger. So it's, it's kind of includes a lot. And then there's, you know, the spiritual bypass, like how do we, how do we not get stuck in the literal, but how can we expand it in a way that's not, moving past what our, you know, our human need is to really acknowledge our per- the personal aspect of it. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense, yes. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's important. Because this, this, this is the making sacred. And it's the uh, movement from the just pers- from the personal to the transpersonal. It's the movement from this is this is my um, this is the story as I as it happened to this is the story that is the story of of humanity. Mm. We each, we each have a particular story, but in a way, our, our mythological story. Um, that's what I was saying before. There's it, all great mythologies, all the mythologies of the world have at their core 
the story of a wounding. Mm. And, and in the story is the movement from that wounding into a bigger life. Mm. The wounding brings you into a bigger life. So, for instance, if your wounding is one where you have been sexually um, abused, molested, violated uh, within your family, really, you know, very deep and hard, horrific personal wounding, and in coming into relationship with that wounding, which is probably going to take many years to fully go through all the things that that wound's going to demand that you go through. Your compassion is going to open up deeply, not only for the perpetration of that wound on the feminine in, in, uh, you know, in our global life right now, as we hear all over, that perpetration of, of uh, sexual violence against women. But uh, it will also open up your compassion towards the perpetrators. And so then you begin to um, uh, move from that compassion into a life of service. Mm-hmm. Toward probably because you're so deeply connected to that particular wounding as a life of service to um, those who've been wounded, whether you become a rape crisis counselor or you create um, the city of joy in the Congo Mm -hmm. for women who've been um, violated in those wars there. Right, Eve Ensler's work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also a recognition of the perpetrator's wounds and how their behaviors come from their wounding. The compassion mm-hmm. just starts unpeeling layer after layer. Right. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is there are, there's a, there are kind of stages in the early stages of working with our wounding, it is very deeply personal and we are in the literal story of it and that's really important. And as we as we heal and continue to work, something else starts growing from it, which is this compassion, which then organically moves into some kind of action that's that comes from your deep wisdom of this, this particular wound. Mm-hmm. And so the wound serves something larger. When we're able to do that, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess for, you know, the people, again, listening, that would be my question is, you know, what is the dark wisdom that each person listening, what, what is the dark wisdom that that they carry or that you carry? And, and even when we're in the very literal, difficult parts of early healing, that question can still be a light in the darkness of like this can serve. I don't know how yet, but you know, that this is not for nothing that I'm working through this deep place. Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah. And seeing other people that have have gotten there, you know, seeing other people transform their wounds into some, something of meaning in the world is, is Mm -hmm. gives hope, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Mm. 
Um, and we have we have models of that, you know, beautiful models of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Dalai yeah. Lama, mm-hmm. you know, right. the model of his people being overrun by the Chinese and his spiritual message that he brings that arises out of his, his compassion. <clears throat> and um, and Ellie Wiesel, who, you know, is a survivor of Holocaust camps mm-hmm. and, you know, has written beautiful words that arises from his compassion. Mm-hmm. And his and his ungodly uh, experiences. Yeah, those are beautiful examples. And also Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. And 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 these are people who also do not hide their emotions. You know, their mm-hmm. anger, their um, their grief. Because it's all in there, right? And it's if if they if there's like a transcendence, of you know to trying to rise up out of those emotions, it won't work. Mm. It won't come across mm-hmm. as a good message that touches our hearts. Mm-hmm. Right. That kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about um, activism that comes not from a deeper place but more a reactive place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Beautiful. Do you want to say anything about what you consider your sacred wound? Do you want to say anything about that? Mm. Or is that too personal? Either way is fine. Um, I can say a little something about that. I have, I, I, what I'll say is that we each carry a core wounding mm-hmm. and the core wounding is a result of a core vulnerability we have. It's almost, there's a beautiful Chinese proverb that um, says, uh, we are each born with a hole in our side awaiting the tusk of the boar. Mm, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I loved I loved hearing that. I heard Michael Mead tell that proverb, and, I, and that just, like, completely spoke to what I know and experience about our core vulnerability. It's almost as if it's inevitable. We It is inevitable. Like, we have this vulnerability, and something will happen that will that that boar tusk will penetrate mm. something will happen it's a, the exact fit right. into our vulnerability mm. and one of the best ways that i found to understand this is if i look at a family with several siblings and the family dynamics with the parents and the extended um you know family are pretty similar you know, but every child responds to the world according to their own particular vulnerability. 
So the same thing might happen to all the children, but, you know, they'll all have a a different response to it. So um, in my story, uh, let me see how I can tie this in. (laughs) The... uh, I was I was sexually violated pre-verbally mm. by a family member, and um, you know I I know the place where it happened. I I have a you know visual reference inside of the place, and it was a very contained place, and. Also, the knowing that there was no nobody who recognized what happened to me afterwards, mm. and it was uh, my entire you know reality was shattered. My whole trust was shattered, and I had to contain it. You know, it's like mm. I had to contain it mm-hmm. uh, completely within myself, and. And that that particular violation then was reemphasized over and over again in my family of origin by just the the way things were, and so that containment that I experienced was reinforced. Mm-hmm. And as I have grown into the work that I do with people, one one thing that I know and re- began to recognize very quickly was I have a capacity, a huge capacity to contain whatever mm. is happening mm. for people. And I've, you know, I've, I've witnessed some pretty horrific and extreme um, emotions and heard some very difficult stories. And it's like my whole being does not have any problem at all with just containing it in a really calm and um, neutral way. And it's a gift for people to to have that. And it helps them to, can help them to be able to contain it for themselves and then to move beyond beyond it into their own understanding of what happened. Right. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It's like, um, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that you use containment as a child, that you had to contain it, because what I hear is you had to repress it in a way or to squash it, or there's so many words that it sounds like to me, and yet mm-hmm. you're using containment not just for your adult expression, but you're using it for your childhood expression too. Mm-hmm. That interests me. I don't, mm-hmm. It almost sounds like you've you've rewritten the story now that you've done all this deep healing. You can look back and see it differently than you might have if you were more in a victim relationship with it. Yeah, I think that's true, Aninha. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and so you had some kind of soul capacity that helped you survive that and that soul capacity is also part of your gift mm-hmm. yeah yeah does that does that feel true it's it's absolutely true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And this this thing about being born with a core vulnerability is not something that is often spoken to. I haven't heard it in many in many kind of arenas where there's a, uh, an awareness of wounding. Um, and that is such a powerful idea because just that shifts the whole victim stance is that we're born with a vulnerability mm-hmm. and and in that the gift and the wound live in that in that very vulnerable spot like that's the fertile soil that we come in with for something exactly it's totally the fertile soil and it's it's an enigma and a paradox and mm-hmm. it's the mystery of our humanity mm. I think it's the core of the mystery of our humanity. Mm, interesting, yeah. Yeah, and then and I have a very dear um, co guide who I worked with for many years, Peter Scanlan, who would then pose the question, and it's a great question. So if um, if our if we make our wounds sacred, does that mean that our um the wound makers oh have my a god. sacred purpose oh my god that's big thinking mm-hmm. yeah that one's even hard for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again with all of this you know arriving to that perception organically is so different than conceptually like an overlay that um, tries to get us out of the pain, you know? Yes. You know? Yeah. So how beautiful to be able to actually arrive there in a, in a full way, in a full way where, that, where that's not just a, a runaway bypass. Hmm. So let's see. Let me just check how we're doing on time. Yeah, so we're going to have we have about five more minutes or so, five or ten, and let's see, I want to shift here to just looking at more, well, let me look over this to make sure we don't skip anything important. Hmm, yeah, I think, I think we're ready to move. Well, one last thing is the critic. I did want to address the critic because the critic is so tied in and... Um, Mm-hmm. Looking for a particular word, mm, it's not coming. So the the critic and the wound sometimes they get fused. And I would love if you would speak to how we can be in relationship with the critic and this very 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 vulnerable part of ourselves that um, is negatively impacted by that critic. Yeah, that's really good, Aninia. The critic is will get hyperactive around the wound because it's trying to protect us from feeling it. Um, and so the critic will, uh, yeah, will do will do his or her best to take our attention away from the feelings that are bound up in the wounding. Mm-hmm. And the and it seems like an oxymoron. Well, the critic the critic hurts. You know, it just hurts to have that. Cr- self-criticism going on inside but it's um that the pain of that critic is nowhere near the pain of feeling the pain of the wounding Mm. 
So how I work with um, the critic who shows up and the people that I'm working with is to um, I might send somebody on on a walk with the critic to have um, the critic tell them their story. Mm. And for, for the person walking as an adult to listen to the critic's story of why, you know, to let the critic tell them why he needs to be as critical as he is. Right. So, and to do this outside, out, out in a beautiful place, and to have the world come in to along with that walk. Mm-hmm. And, or I might have, um, it could take many different forms depending on, you know, the individual I'm working with and their particular story and where they need to, where they're being called, where I feel they're being called to pay attention more. Mm-hmm. Right. So for you, story, the story of each kind of aspect of our psyche, whether it's the story of the wounding or the story of the critic, the story is what kind of helps things unravel and, and especially on the land where, Again, we're not encapsulated in our own story, but there's this there's this potential for for the mystery to respond in some way that informs us in a new way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. And I mean, if we're moving into the practical, you've already given these two wonderful exercises of bringing these onto the land. Um, anything else you want to say for? And I and I love kind of. Just making sure we're we're addressing kind of a, a continuum of people that this may be completely new for, and some people that listening may be deep deep into their healing journey, you know, decades in. But um, you know, anything else that comes to you in terms of stepping towards the sacred wound, or maybe shifting our attention from this pain in the ass wound to this this sacred wound of possibility. You know, anything that arises for you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's certainly some reading that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, right. A wonderful book to read is In Search of for the Beloved by Jean Houston. Mm-hmm. And she has a great chapter in there on sacred wounding. Yeah. And um, uh If 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 someone can do a program that out on the land that mm-hmm. particularly addresses the the wounding, I I do a program myself called Making Sacred Our Personal and Ancestral Wounds, mm. and then you can have some first uh, you can um, get familiar with the language and the how to work, how to bring yourself on onto the land. Right. That's my primary way, so it's going to be the way that I... Right. I just have seen so many beautiful unfoldings there, mm. and and the miraculous. I've been witness to the miraculous. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't say enough about working out on the land with this. And it takes it out of, you know, the way we 
spin it around in, just inside of ourselves. Yeah. Right. It can we, get very. Either we can get lost in our heads, we can get lost in the emotion. It's kind of getting these little eddies, and the land, land kind of brings all these other possibilities and much more integrated states yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah. Integrated is a good word. Mm. So it's a good bridge into just sharing, you know, for, so people can know of you as a resource. So making sacred our personal ancestral wounds is one offering and anything else you want to share and ways that people can contact you? Um, the best way to contact me is through my email mm-hmm. address. And I do not have a website okay. except for one year-long program that I do called Tending the Hearth of the Village Soul, and that does have its own website. It's www.deepecovillage.com. And um, that, that year-long is wonderful. You get a full, comprehensive foundation for jumping off into the rest of your life mm. I've, right. I've, uh, I've done nine year long groups I have done I have worked with nine year long groups and I just I've witnessed tremendous results mm. from people immersing themselves in a year Right, very different than going to a weekend workshop or a five-day workshop and then not necessarily seeing those people ever again. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And is your contact information, your email on that um, deepecovillage.com website? Yes. Okay, so if people go to that website, they can also get your, your email. And then do you work with people individually? I do. Uh-huh. I I do a lot of mentoring on uh, phone consultations and Skype. Okay. And I and I also highly recommend that that I having a one-on-one consistent relationship with a mentor um, is just really great. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I would have to attest to that. <laughs> Definitely. And are you open to doing that with people that you have not necessarily met? I am. I've, okay. I've worked with quite a few people I haven't met. And, okay, great. Um, even taken them through their own um, vision fasts on their on land where they live via the, the medium of phone and Skype. Amazing. Yeah. Wow, bringing the ancient into the modern. Yeah, it worked. It's worked. I, you know, I worked with. A woman in uh, Bolivia, who um, she did, she was here and did a program with me, and then um, through the course of two years, she did her own fast in the in the Andes, and it was mm. it was fantastic. Wow! And other people around the world, I've done that with. Yeah, great. So to all listening, I have done um, groups with Annie and mentoring with Annie, and I cannot recommend her enough. As you can tell, she's a woman of deep, deep wisdom and heart. So, um, yeah, www.deepecovillage.com. Well, Annie, thank you so deeply for being with us and sharing everything that you did personally and conceptually and all of it. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure.